Welcome to the Transform Your Wealth and Health podcast, where experts in wealth, health, and fitness help transform your life. Here's your host, Andy Arder. Today's guest became financially secure at 17 and financially free at just 23 years of age. And for over 30 years has been assisting other business owners to grow their companies. He's been incredibly successful and is now known as the business builder. It's Mark Walker. How are we doing, Mark? Andy, hello, hello. How are you today? Yeah, I'm absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this interview, Mark. So we spoke a little while ago on the phone and you filled me in with some of the details and you have been so successful. And I can't wait for you to get the information out to the listeners. Well, Andy, I really appreciate it. And, and more than that, I appreciate your time as well. You know, thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. I trust in, in the next, well, whatever, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I add some massive value to your listeners and, and they pick up some hints, tips, tricks and secrets and just go out there and do it. That would be brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Can we start with you telling us a little bit about your background, your life and career? Sure. How long do I go back? How long do we have? Don't go back to in the womb. A little bit after that, you know, <laughs> tiny bit anyway. Well, do you know what? It's funny we say that because I think a lot of it starts in the womb. I think a lot of it comes from the old DNA, what our families put into us, you know, when we're created and what happens to us when we're born and, and what we're brought up through. And, and Andy, most of my successes have been from helping others achieve other things. And if you like success, I've always looked at it as a byproduct of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, what I mean by that to expand for the listeners is that everyone has dreams, everyone has ambitions, everyone has ideas that they want to go out and do for themselves. But you know what? It's a very lonely place being an entrepreneur. And you have to realize from an early age or, or even at whatever age someone's listening to this at tonight, that what they have around them at the moment is from what they've had around them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if they've always kept themselves themselves, they're going to find they're very insular. And it's when people start to break out and start to mix with other individuals that they realize that the way to have success and of course, success is only a measure internally. You know, some people's level of success is to, to have nothing in life uh, as, as, um, as objects, you know, I like to walk with the sand to their toes and, you know, sit on a beach somewhere. And for other people, it's to be in a big tall skyscrapers with lots of power suits, big flash cars, lots of money. And they see that as being success uh, or successful. So, you know, my whole business life came about from my family supporting me as a, a very young child, showing me ways and means that I could earn this stuff in my fingers called money. And I realized at an early age that when I earned the money, I could go out and buy things from shops, bottom line. Uh, and I, <laughs> I became, if you like, the, the wealthiest kid on the block compared to what other kids were earning pocket money-wise. So it really came about from family support. 17 is very early. I mean, you know, most kids don't even get out to work nowadays until 18 at least. Yeah, well, the funny thing is I started my first um, business, although I didn't call it business, when I was eight. You know, that was cutting people's lawns and hedges and, and weeding paths wow. and having people give me a £5 note for cutting a, you know, their lawn because they didn't want to cut it themselves. And then I realised that I could get my mate to do it for me and give him £2 and I still made £3. And, you know, I didn't realise that was called leverage. I was eight, nine, ten years of age. And it was only when I went to uh, my senior school that I stopped doing the gardening because I had to focus more on education. But the, the first position I had when I was 17 years of age, or 17 and a half actually to be, uh, if you like, exact, was running Worcestershire's largest nightclub. And I'm still connected with the people that helped me out 30, oh, I need to get my age away then, but 32 years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, through Facebook, I'm connected with the manager that gave me the position that I had, which was as club manager. I'm very good friends with the, the DJ, the second DJ that I worked with 32 years ago. So I have some genuine, true 32-year-old friendships. It's all about, you know, what I've learned is it's all about leveraging and taking. Every time you learn something new, so from the age I was 17 and a half, 
right the way to where I am now, I'm still learning with the people I meet, the lives that I touch, the information that people give me. And I pull projects together, Andy, and, and that's as I said earlier. It's, it's how mm-hmm. I make other people successful. And my success is a part of their success because I learned a long time ago. There's, there's no point in trying to be, you know, one man is an island or one woman is an island. Everybody has something to offer and share experience-wise with the next person. That's absolutely a fantastic way of looking at it, Mark. Now, you said earlier that you think that success is a relative thing. And when you first became successful, what did you believe made you successful? I think the, the determination that whatever I was putting myself into as a, as a plan, a project, an idea, I just didn't take it on face value that what I was presented with as a starting point was the only place that money could be made from. So as an example, when I took over the nightclub, we were only open for three days a week. It was standard club nights, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. It's not like it is in the 21st century where you can open till, you know, five, six, seven in the morning, 24 hour drinking, etc. It was extremely limited. Couldn't open the doors till nine o'clock in the morning. We had to be shut by two o'clock. The follow- uh, sorry, nine o'clock in the evening. Couldn't be, uh, and I had to shut by two o'clock on the morning. Yeah. Um, and that's how it was. That was the licensing laws. So the one thing that I thought about was, hey, if I had some extra value to the club by having uh, different events happening on different days of the week. So working alongside the DJ that I was with, we decided we'd open at certain days for other venues and other events. So we introduced a children's disco event that opened on a Tuesday night. It was that successful. We then started opening up again on a Friday evening before we opened for the main club nights. And by the time I finished running the club and I decided to move on to new pastures, we were open six days a week. There was only Sundays, which unless something else specific was booked, we weren't doing anything. And at that point, having worked with the directors and saying to them, if I put all my time, effort and energy into all these other events, can I have a share of the profits? And having the directors thinking, hey, this kid's pretty switched on. Okay, how much do you want? And me saying, well, I'll just go for 50% of all the profit I generate. (laughs) I had no idea, and neither did they, that at the age of 18, which is really by the time that all these things were kicking in, I will be earning thousands and thousands of pounds a week, which is what meant I could buy my first house for cash when I was 18. And I bought my first major business, which was a parcel franchise, on my 19th birthday. Wow, that's incredible. So you, you've got an incredibly positive nature. How do you stay so positive? Well, I think that negativity is something that's actually put around by the naysayers that want to sit on their bum all day making money out of selling bum stories. I'm yet to meet anybody in my life, even those that are going through a a problematic time, where they actually put their hands up and say, yes, I caused this. Hmm. I think everybody goes into a business, everybody goes into bettering their lives with a positive mindset. The challenge is that what holds them back is that they surround themselves with individuals who want to pull them back. Classic example are clients of mine where they're coming from areas where, where there's high unemployment, uh, there's not many job opportunities. And so when they try to lift themselves out of where they are, their friends and their family are naturally trying to pull them and you know, sucker them back into where they are, talking about them as though they're trying to better themselves and it's a bad thing and that they're going to lose their family because they're bettering themselves. And for some people, if they don't have the mindset of, hey, you know, I'm on the planet, I'm my own person, I can do what I want to do, those are the individuals that I find when I come across their lives that I can follow especially through social media. You know, you can follow loads of people nowadays and you meet them one year and six years later, they're still doing the same thing. And it's those individuals that I really try and reach out to and say, look, 
You've got to get somebody in your life that's going to give you some accountability, some direction, and, and not drag you along because you can never drag anybody towards success. But you have to be there, you know, hand-holding and making them accountable for the actions that you set and agree to. And then those people are the ones that, you know, go forward and, and make themselves a good living and a good, uh, a good lifestyle. So, so is that what you believe holds people back from success? Yeah, and also those people that try to emulate or duplicate too many successful people. Um, if you look at uh, the, the range of, if you like, mentors and celebrity mentors that are out there in, in the big wide world, there are just too many people for the human psyche to latch onto, Andy. And I yeah. truly believe that if people look at, say, three particular types of mentor, which cover the three major parts of being a human being, um, so you want somebody who is quite inspirational, um, an, an inspirational person that the way that they talk and the way that they teach gives you the inspiration to go off and do something. And then you need to have somebody who's a motivational person. So somebody that maybe is more of the rah-rah, the more of the, hey guys, let's all get together. You know, if you like, that's sort of happy, clappy, jumping up and down, massaging each other's shoulders, you know, type of person. And that, that can be good for people. And the third type of mentor you need is somebody that's wealthy, that started with nothing in terms of being on the planet, because we're all born naked with nothing in our pockets. In fact, when we're born, we have no pockets, in all fairness. <laughs> and, and following that person's path. And whether that is going to be somebody like a, a Richard Branson character or an Alan Sugar or a Bill Gates or a Steve Jobs or a Mark Walker, you know, or any type of person like that that has gone through a proven path and we've all had our ups and downs, but what we don't do is we don't do the naysayers bit of sitting and talking about the downsides. We use that as experience to show people what you need to do to continue to be successful. So... I would honestly say that people need to look at having three and only three types of mentor in their life, an inspirational person, a motivational person, and a wealthy person. Okay. So why do you believe so many new businesses and concepts fail? I think the main reason is that when people have their ideas, they're generally surrounded by their current friendships and their current family. And one of the biggest challenges that you have if you're looking for impartial, independent advice is to turn to your friends and family and say to them, do you think this is going to be a good idea? Because most people's friends and family are not going to turn around and give it the critique that it actually deserves. And, and so people really do need to look at having a consultant you know, or a mentor in their life, as somebody that they can turn to and say, I've had this idea. This is what I want to do. Do you believe it's doable? Now, the beliefs and limiting beliefs, that's, that's a whole different podcast, Andy. We could probably sit up you know, for here and I would talk about what a limiting belief is and why people should believe that there is no limiting belief. Everything starts in thought. And if someone believes in their heart of heart and their mind that their business idea is going to work, there's no way you can dissuade them from that. Only common sense and reasoning and a business plan will either dissuade them from it being a business or dissuade them from looking at it altogether. And what I mean by that is that not every idea is a good business. I couldn't agree more, Mark. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah, the plans sometimes when they're looked at properly, make things fall to bits and people's dreams die with them, but better their dreams die than their bank accounts. I agree. And for individuals who only have their friends and family around them, they won't necessarily have that critique element. So we're not on about stomping on someone's dreams and ideas. Everybody has an opportunity on this planet to become successful. And I, I absolutely have no qualms with whether it's somebody from what's classed as a third world country or somebody that's classed from a westernized capitalist society. 
humans are humans you know we all have the right to travel we all have the right to communicate with each other wherever we are on the planet and so if i can reach out from my office through through offering um, you know, free independent phone calls to people that want to come and pitch an idea to me, then I have a pitch to me page, for example, on one of my websites. Someone mm-hmm. has an idea, they can spend 30 minutes typing it in, that email comes to me via my VA team, and, you know, they because they need to sort through my emails, otherwise I do nothing but sit reading emails all day. And, and then they put those together for me, and I can read through those, I can reach back out to that person. And that's the beauty of the digital age, Andy, is that yeah. for everybody listening to this podcast tonight, today, tomorrow, whenever they're listening to this, they all have the same opportunity as you and myself and everybody else that's tuning in and reading and listening to this podcast. Yeah, especially with the internet nowadays. I mean, you can educate yourself in all sorts of things, not basically an education for the rich anymore. If you want to be a world leader, you can learn so much from the internet. Well, also the digital age for everybody nowadays means that within a very short space of time, you can take a business idea you can utilize digital tools that have been created to help you mind map them out so everyone knows where the idea is coming from, where it's going to. You can then very quickly bring that product to market with the purchasing of a domain name, a couple of email addresses, building of a website. You know, there's no the, the websites nowadays, you know, click and drag and drop has been around for a few years. But yeah. all of the tools within that to create a fully fledged online business, they were not around when I had my first online sales company in 1997 using a, one of the first shop softwares from Australia that ever came out. That was called Shop Factory Pro for anybody that's, that used the same software way back then. You know, it was I amazing. don't know that one, Mark. <laughs> oh, you don't know that one? <laughs> Shop Factory Pro was one of the first, if you like, custom e-cart software sales products around. It was one of the first ways that I was able to sell online in 97 mm-hmm. uh, and very quickly led on to lots of other things we did through the, the early 2000s. Okay. And from there, basically, you moved yourself on in business to create multiple businesses, I believe. Yeah, and I continue to do that today. Um, I know we spoke uh, just a short while ago in, in terms of weeks. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've created two new businesses. I've created a new, uh, two new partnerships with a group of, of new gentlemen. And there'll be two companies which are being launched, and I'm launching them to help others. So whilst at the end of the day, um, I hope you're, you know, your listeners have, have heard what I said 10 minutes ago or so, we make our money by adding value to other people's lives or providing a service that they require. And by getting them to understand that, yes, that service by buying through you is the best for this reason, ultimately, that's where we get our money from. A mentor of mine many, many years ago said to me, Mark, you can have all the money in the world that you want. You just have to remember at the moment it's in somebody else's pocket. (laughs) And it's absolutely true. And and it's about then offering the product, the service that they're looking for, that adds the value, that sorts the problem out, and that person will then pay you for your service. Okay. Well, you've inspired others. Who's inspired you along the way? Well, I look at some of the the bigger guys uh, and some of the older guys as well that are no longer with us, going right the way back to individuals like Nikola Tesla um, and what he bought you know, to his marketplace in the days that he was, you know, struggling as a scientist and a physicist. If it wasn't for Nikola Tesla, we, we wouldn't have, you know, Wi-Fi as we have it today. We wouldn't have Tesla cars with the electricity and all the, the ways that that's all being, I mean, why did, why did Elon Musk call the company Tesla? You know, if there's not a bigger, there's a hidden, hidden marketing uh, uh, statement there, you know, hidden in plain sight, as we say. Yeah. Um, so some guys, you know, the older guys like that. And then in the modern day, I look at people like Steve Jobs, you know, where he came from and the way he grew his business. And then unfortunately, because of the way that corporates are 
you know, the way he was squeezed out of the business. But actually, when you take the person out of the business, as quite rightly happened in his business, it didn't quite go according to the corporate's plan. And eventually he was pulled back into the business and, you know, that really took it off. And, and of course, you know, bless him, you know, he, he passed away through cancer. Mm. Those are the sort of people that I follow. People that have an inspirational story. And, and everybody, you know, listening in, Andy, has to find people that resonate with them. We get the regular people that are put out there as being, you need to read this book or you need to watch this film or, do you know what? You need to read and watch whatever you can, whenever you can, and as much of it. So as an individual, you decide that that person resonates with you. This person doesn't resonate with you. You can't force um, yourself onto somebody that you're trying to, to lead. You know, part of leadership isn't about standing in front of them and dragging somebody. Sometimes part of leadership is standing behind the people, almost shepherding them forward. You know, that's why shepherds tend to stand behind you know, and push their flocks forward. Yeah. Um, whereas a farmer, you know, after his cattle shakes the bag of food and all the cows run towards the farmer. Being a mentor, and I've done mentoring now for well over 25 years, I, I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I am someone's cup of tea. If they want to cut through all the nonsense, they want a straightforward answer based on my beliefs, based on my experiences. I'm not here to blow smoke, you know, at people, and I'm not here to waste people's time, money, and energy. But if they have an idea, but they just don't know how to go about bringing it to market, they will have, from me personally, the best support that they could ever want on this side of the water. That's absolutely brilliant. So how do you think you've changed since your early days of entrepreneurship? Well, in the early days of entrepreneurship, if I went back to the club days, I mean, I became quite a hard character running a nightclub with two and a half thousand person capacity. You wasn't running the door as well, was you, Mark? Well, yeah, no, not, yeah no, I, wasn't, I was stood next to the bouncers because we had, <laughs> two, we had two tills that we ran on the front door that took the cash. Um, yeah. I was always, you know, very cash orientated. You know, we had, there was quite a lot of trouble, you know, back in the, in the late 80s in terms of gangs and stuff within cities, certainly in Worcester City, two mm. rival gangs. So I was sort of thrown in into the becoming streetwise and smart very quickly. Nowadays, you know, I'm 49 now. I don't have to uh, be watching my back as one had to in the nightclub days, unfortunately, because people would, you know, take it, take it out on you. If you'd, if you'd barred them, for example, for coming in because they were too drunk, they would remember you next week. You know what I mean? <laughs> you hope they didn't, but they always did. Yeah. So you, have, so you have to look at, you know, what people are, what they do, the things that they do when they're sober, the things that they do when they're drunk. And you have to put that into a little tiny pot and put it to one side and park it. And that's why I say my friendships from those days are 32-year friendships. Being, a, being connected with the original manager and what he's gone on and done with his life, being connected with the second DJ that I worked with, um, you know, and being connected for 32 years and watching how he's grown his business along with, with my help and support, along with others, to have the largest DJ training company on the planet where some of his DJs have gone off to run some of the biggest club nights now across the globe is absolutely phenomenal. Wow. Um, and that's the thing. It's, it's about having these stories to share, to give inspiration to others and the motivation for people to say, hey, Mark, you seem to know a little bit about business and setting them up. Can I come and work with you? I've got a great idea. Or I'm looking for a mentor. Can you come and give me some time? Or whatever has to be done, Andy. Or, and to be fair, if someone comes to me with an idea that isn't really something I'm into, I don't take clients on for the sake of it. I will send them to other people and say, look, great idea but the best person suited to you to bring that to market is this person over here. And I'll send them off to somebody else. Well, that's kind of you. I mean, most people out there would be looking for a sale and take the money and do the best they could. But obviously it's not you. So that's brilliant. Well, it's certainly not about a sale from myself. You know, it's about that person and what they want to achieve in their life. 
having a quick 10, 15 minute conversation with me on a phone, in reality, doesn't eat into that much of my day. Uh, now, obviously, for those that are listening in that don't know, I, I have a what I call a book of call service, which I've run probably for a good 12 years or so. And that has an online calendar system. And people can go onto my website, they can see when I'm available, I make certain days during the week available, certain times. And if that fits in with their diary, Andy, they can book a call with me, have a quick chat, and then if they want to move it to the next level, then we can talk about creating a business together. Mm -hmm. if, they, if, if they come across as somebody that has a great idea, but it's not for me, there's absolutely no point in me even entertaining, taking money off somebody to say, you know, I can help you create, um, I don't know, a competitive business to Elon Musk and Tesla, if I actually know that a friend of mine who's a senior technician at Jaguar may actually be the best person to send them over to because yeah. he'll talk about cars all day long. Well, there's so many out there that will, though, Mark. You know, it's worth worth mentioning, and um, thank you very much for doing that kind of thing because there's so many that doesn't. You know, they, they'll actually take the money and do the best they can and leave people in the lurch, but that's not you, obviously. No, and we know this happens, Andy. And again, for everyone listening in, they may indeed be listening in and they've had a bad experience. Uh, one of the biggest things I'm into, of course, is property. And I know that there are big property training companies across the globe. I'm not just picking on anybody in particular, because it's not about picking on people. It's about sharing information. But there are some really big training companies whose sole responsibility, of course, is to their company, to their staff. And they have huge sales funnels that funnel everybody and anybody to go and do training with them. Now, that's fine if, if somebody feels that they need generic training, because that's all you can get, you know, in any room, anywhere on the planet. If you get more than five to 10 people in a room, I'm sorry, but the training is going to become generic. It's mm -hmm. not going to be specific for you in the front row or you in the third row or that person in the fifth row on the right-hand side has these challenges in their life. It's going to be generic training. And that's why I find and, and hear and people come to me all the time, whether it be email, messenger, Facebook, whatever, and say, Mark, that information you gave me months ago is absolutely correct. I'm in this situation now. Can you help me out? And generally, you know, people have paid a lot of money to training companies. And, you know, there are some successes, don't get me wrong, but the number of successes compared to the number of individuals that don't get where they want to go to, Andy, that's what I'm always on about. It's where mm -hmm. do they want to go to? Not me. Yeah. I know where I am. I know what I'm doing. I know the businesses I'm launching very soon. Where do they want to go to? Mm -hmm. And trying to help that person get to that level. And I don't think you have to take someone's last penny off them just to help them get to a level which will enable them to then go, do you know what, I'm at this level and I can afford that extra one-to-one -one tuition. Okay, well, we've established your credibility. Can you tell us, just changing the tempo a little bit, of a story of where you've helped others, let's say in one particular area of your business? Yeah, um, now obviously I've got businesses across the board. Can we look at property? Yeah. So there was a gentleman who followed me for a considerable amount of time online as people do, you know, that's what social media is all about. And he came and did a one-day training session with me at one of my business clubs that I'm a member of. And when I do one-to-one -one training on a, on a one-day uh, session, and it's very bespoke, you know, it is about that person. It is about where they are, who they're mixing with, what they're doing, where do they want to go to? And then breaking that down very quickly over 10 hours of, of solid content from me. You imagine one-to-one. -one. You know, you can't sit there talking about the sky. You know, it's one-to-one. And that person, after that day, took the information, which I broke down into three modules for them. So I trained them on three specific modules that they could go away and work with straight away. And two of those modules has meant that 
in the next coming few days, obviously this, this podcast is going to be live. So for some people listening to this, this person, you know, they'll be able to verify it because I'll be able to contact this, this specific person and say, hey, how did that work out for you? But they have properties that they've worked with that they're closing out with creative deals. They have properties ready lined up for January. They have properties that are going into auctions. Uh, and they are going to be making a considerable sum of money for themselves based on not just the teachings that I gave them, but based on taking action on those teachings. Yeah. And that is one of the, if you like, more up-to-date success stories. I've got other stories I could share going back, you know, three, four, five years where I've helped individuals that now own a property portfolio where they put none of their own money in, for example. Mm -hmm. But this specific one is an example of somebody who felt held back by their current surroundings and realized they had to do certain things to remove certain people from their life, to just get on and take action to bring those properties for themselves. And as I say to everybody, you will lose friends, you will lose family members you know, around you as you grow your business and you become, in your own mind and heart, more successful. Not everybody gets it. No, no, I understand. I'm actually doing a no money down deal at the moment myself so i know people say that can't be done it's absolutely nonsense but it can you know you can do this you know it just depends if the circumstances are right of course and creating those circumstances you're absolutely right and one of the other things that i bring to the table when i sit down with clients and again i do one day training i do a three month wealth from property course and some individuals want me in their business life for 12 months because i act as their sales director their operations director their guy that comes in and sort of bangs the table every you know once a month to the staff to get them all motivated and refocused or work as their production manager you know, looking after what's happening in the warehouse some people want me to do that for them they can't afford a full-time sales director for example but you know 12 months for me to work in their business it's a lot less than if they had somebody full-time and yeah. they've got something that's bobbing in and out and keeping abreast of all of the new things that are coming around into the industry. So that's my, my role and function. But for those individuals that just want to have um, a mentor for a short period of time, I understand, because I get to know my new clients, that once they've parted with that sum of money to have me working with them solidly for three months, they may not be in a position in their head. So it's a better um, a headspace thing. They mm-hmm. might think, you know what? Once I've paid out this training fee, I don't have that money available for my first property project. So my commitment to all of my clients, Andy, is that I will invest a fairly significant sum in their first refurbishment property, so long as it's going to make us some money. Wow. So I, won't, I won't mention tonight on, on the podcast you know, mm-hmm. today exactly what that figure is. That will be unfair. But yeah. for anybody that takes action, comes and books a call with me, they will be pleasantly surprised to realize that when they invest in me, the first thing I do reciprocally is invest back into them because I believe that's, that's how you win good relationships. Absolutely incredible. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that. That's what I do. I've done it for many, many years. There are many people out there that are trying to grow their own property business at the moment by creating smaller property events and getting their friends to come and join the property events because that person's a mortgage person or that person's an insurance person or that person's a specialist in this or that. That doesn't mean to say that everyone that's going there is going to benefit because all that happens with those people in those property events is that they're looking for business, aren't they? They're looking for customers. Yeah. They're an accountant looking for new accountancy business or they're a specialist in this looking for somebody to pay them some money. And I said, no, 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 that's not what you want. I've got a great power team around me. I can turn to whatever time of day or night it is, I could text my in-house solicitor over something I've just had a conversation with somebody at 10 o'clock at night having a meal with somebody and I will get an answer, if not the same evening, the first thing the following morning. 
I don't have to wait till nine o'clock on a Monday morning and ring a solicitor's firm and ask them, you know, can I speak to my solicitor? Oh, they're very busy at the moment. Can they ring you back? And then you find out they don't get back to you till Tuesday. I build these great relationships with people and all of my clients can lock into these if they choose to. Don't have to, but they tend to go, actually, yeah, Mark, can I, can I contact your accountant because I need some property tax advice? Can I, do you mind if I send him an email at 10 o'clock at night and will he respond, you know? And the yeah. answer is yes, absolutely they will. And that's where the true power of working together comes from, Andy. It's, it is about giving more than you ever, ever expect to get back in return. And for those people that go off and set up their own events and have their own friends there, they're all, all short-term solutions. I've mm. seen them come and go over the last 20 years. And that is not where I come from. That is not how I was brought up. And in fact, I've dropped many business relationships over the years where people have fallen short and let me and other people down. And that's another important thing for people listening to this podcast is that make friends quickly, drop them quicker. Make business connections quickly, drop them quicker. If they let you down once and trust is broken, move on. Once trust goes, there is no point in hanging on to a friendship at all. Okay, that's a good way of looking at things, I think, yeah. Well, they can hang on. They can hang on to it, Andy. You know, again, I'm, I'm not here as a, um, a holistic guru in that sense. I'm, I'm not saying I'm sitting on a cloud saying these things. You know what I mean? It's, it's a case mm-hmm. of if someone breaks trust with you, this is what happens. Somebody breaks trust, and as the person's been affected, you want to tell that person to go away and not darken your doorstep again. We know that. The thing is, is that most people I meet in life are really nice people. You know, 99.9% of the people I meet are lovely, lovely people. And then that little thing kicks into your head, that little, that little voice we all have. And, and it starts making excuses for the things that those other people have just done to you. And so then you say to yourself, oh, well, maybe they, maybe they did it for a reason. And, and, and actually that, you know, and then we start justifying what they've just done to you, which is ultimately broken trust over yeah. whatever was agreed. Then you start to give it power. You give it power by saying, well, maybe I should be friends with these people because actually they did this and they did it. They never once came to you in the first place to say they were potentially about to break trust with you. So mm-hmm. we naturally as humans make excuses for other people and we allow them back into our life. Once you've given somebody that opportunity to come back into your life, it's a bit like playing Russian roulette with the bullet. Just give them another bullet, let them spin it and see if they can shoot you for the second time. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just can't do it. If they've, yeah. if they've shot that bullet once and you just narrowly escaped being let down massively... Do not allow them to take a second shot at you. Let mm. them go off and make friends. And if someone says, oh, do you know Fred or Bert? You know, they look like a couple of nice people. If they've let you down, I believe you should also inform people. I think you have a moral duty and an obligation to inform people if somebody has directly let you down and you know that information is going to affect somebody else. Okay. I'm not saying we go jumping on social media and tweet or tweeting like a certain president that everything he's not happy with. <laughs> and depending on what year people are listening to, that might even be a relevant statement. Yeah, to yeah exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not saying we go out there and we disrespect people. We're not, um, we're not trying to bring other people down. But if somebody has let you down or a group of people have let you down and you know that's going to affect somebody else you're working with, I honestly stand by those words. We have a moral obligation duty to share that information with those people. It's for them to make their mind up because, you know, people then say, oh, there's two sides to a story. I agree with that too. That's why I'm not sitting here as a guru on a cloud saying dump everybody that messes your life up. But I can assure everybody listening to this, if you hang on to all those people that break trust with you, you will ultimately be the one that will have the finger pointed at and you will become ostracized and isolated and still wondering why your great business idea didn't take off. 
Okay, Mark. Well, you mentioned a cruise a little while back when we spoke previously. What and who's the cruise for? Sure, Andy. It's, it's a great opportunity. I launched the Property Investors Cruise a couple of years ago. And for various reasons, various launching reasons, uh, not of the cruise ship, but of the project, <laughs> we kept it very much in-house. We wanted to test different cruise companies in year one, for example. And the second year, I wanted to have some friends, family, close uh, property investors, etc., that came on the cruise. So there were small numbers. And we also used it as an opportunity to test the systems to make sure that what we wanted to offer to anybody that was in the property industry or thinking of getting into the property investor industry, you know, we were going to you know, fulfill what their thoughts were. So the first thing is that by coming on a cruise, which we hold in uh, around Western uh, Mediterranean every year, and, and on the website, people can go and see when the dates are for the next uh, cruise. By having it in Western Mediterranean, individuals didn't have to fly too far. So, for example, a very good internet marketing friend of mine, a gentleman called Mike Filsane, he runs an internet marketers cruise, which is held in January of every year, and they all go out of Fort Lauderdale uh, and, and south of Miami, and they go out, you know, around Barbados and very nice islands, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and everything goes on over there. When I first approached good old Joe Public in the UK, and I said, I have this an idea, and I'd like to take you, you know, to Caicos, etc., a lot of people went, oh, do you answer just a little bit too far for me, you know, is this, is this something we can do local? And I thought, you know what? February, March, and April in the North Sea isn't very exciting. Not the best. Not the best, absolutely. So, you know, I took a lot of feedback. I did a lot of online polls, you know, using Facebook and, and various other email tools to get a feel for what people were looking for. So individuals asked me somewhere that's close, somewhere that would be warm, somewhere where um, they will be able to fly back very quickly because I had other things to address, you know, back home. And so we picked a company called MSC Cruises and we picked the Western Mediterranean. So pretty much going out of Spain and going anti-clockwise around Western Mediterranean. So uh, popping into Corsica, popping into um, Italy, coming up the Italian coast, popping into the south of France, then popping back to uh, Barcelona, which has been the last port for the last couple of years. Sounds beautiful. It's very good. And the thing is, once you've got a captive audience on a ship, do you know what? People really get to know each other, Andy. People really get to know, like, and trust people in a very short space of time. And the whole idea of the cruise is that there's no selling. We, we have, you know, I give all of my teachings away for free. So if people uh, want some uh, low investment mentoring for a week, they mm -hmm. can come and we have these open workshops. They can make the notes, et cetera, et cetera. We have an opportunity for anybody that's got a training course that they can come and become both a passenger with us, you know, another cruise member, um, and also promote their product in terms of delivering the content. But again, there's no upsell allowed. They're not allowed to have banners and you know, handouts, get your 20% discounts or whatever when we get back to shore. It's yeah. just sharing content. So I even reach out to any other property uh, mentors or trainers uh, listening to this podcast, just come and join me. Let's just make this one of the biggest events in the UK. People are doing uh, property investor summer parties now. People are doing property investor Christmas parties. People are doing property investor awards. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I'm the very first person in the UK to launch the Property Investors Cruise. This year coming will be the third year and it'll still be small numbers. You know, I still want to have it be what it was set up to be. Just to give people an example, Mike Filsane, my buddy in America, as I say, he's been running his now. It'll be 13 years he's been running it. He has 450 internet marketers from across the globe mm -hmm. that join up once a year to share ideas. And the main thing is to create joint ventures. Okay, well, that's absolutely fantastic. How can people get on the cruise if they want to join you? Sure, just go on to propertyinvestorscruise.com. All the details are on there. Videos of the ship, 
uh, the sailing dates. People can just go and book to secure their place and um, a cabin place now. They can pay in full. All the information's on there, Andy. And thanks, and thank you again, you know, for allowing me to share that tonight. It's great. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Mark, just finishing up a little bit now, can you tell us what have you got planned for the future? Well, the biggest thing I have planned, um, Andy, is, um, as you know from my property chats with you, um, mm-hmm. I have a fairly expansive property portfolio. I look after yeah. the operational side of that with tenants, etc. I also do my own deals. I buy and sell property. I flip property. Everything's to do with buying property, whether it be you know for cash or creatively. So I decided a few months ago, and I met another successful businessman entrepreneur, to joint venture with him over an idea that he had. But what I decided to do was develop his idea slightly. So I'm launching very soon a new company where actually we're going to be giving houses away. Wow. Tell me more. (laughs) I want one. (laughs) So we're launching uh, very, very shortly the Property Lotto. So property-lotto.com. We're running it on a raffle basis where people can win a property up to the value of £200,000 for the, the minimum ticket. It's not just a property that we say it has to be this property in this area. They get to choose a property in their local area. So it's their choice, it's their area, and they'll be their keys. Now, for anybody that's listening to this going, do you know what, 200,000, I'm afraid, in my area doesn't get me too much. Well, that's fine, because you may well have relatives, children at university, mm-hmm. where you can go and buy a house in that area, and if your child's at university for three years, you'll get the equity uplift over three years. You might decide to rent it out after three years. You might decide to gift it to them. You may decide to sell it. But the main thing is, it'll help individuals who are struggling at the moment to get on the property ladder. It's a brilliant gift. Absolutely brilliant. £200,000. Yeah, if somebody wants to get a house up to a million pounds, it's a £10 ticket. Um, a £200,000 house is just a £2 ticket. Now, unlike some of the bigger lotteries in the, in the UK, and if we use the uh, National Lotto, or the National Lottery, I was gobsmacked. Can I ask you a question? How many, Mm -hmm. what do you think the odds are of winning the jackpot on the National Lottery now? I believe it's around about 13 million to one. Quite close there, actually. Up until Mm -hmm. October 2015, the odds were 14 million to one. Yeah. And that was for the one pound bet, of course. And then what they did in October 2015 is they doubled that. So, you know, tax increase of 100% became two pounds to enter. But they added 10 balls to the basket. And that moved the odds then from 14 million to one to 45 million 57,474 to one. Wow. Now, I believe that's, that's quite a, an exorbitant increase, both in odds and the chances of someone being a jackpot winner. Just, it just puts it into the realms of fantasy numbers. I, th- yeah. I, I believe it's, you could get struck you know, by lightning 14 times or something in the same odds. It's just crazy. <laughs> So what I decided to do, along with my business partner, as I say, setting up Property Lotto, is we will have only a certain amount of tickets in every draw. And what we've decided is that we will limit every single draw to just 150,000 tickets. So your odds of winning a £200,000 house with us mm-hmm. are just 150,000 to one. And I'm pretty sure that's better odds than spending £2 on the National Lottery. But in saying that, the National Lottery do a great thing. Don't get me wrong. They give 50% of their money away to charitable causes. We similarly, because of the regulations, we will also be giving huge amounts of money away to charity. The main thing is, as we sell 150,000 tickets, we will be able to give away a house because we've sold 150,000 tickets. When we launch, let's suppose in month one, we raise uh, and we sell 300,000 tickets, there'll be two houses we can give away. And as the word grows, my whole dream, ambition to help as many people as I can touch, you know, through the Property Lotto nationwide will be something like 
when the National Lottery says this week's jackpot is £19 million, we'll be able to say that we've given 97 houses away, you know, or whatever that figure is corresponding that week, for the same amount of money. That would be absolutely brilliant, Mark. If you can get that going, that would be a first. I've not heard of it before. So. Well, there are a lot of lotteries. Again, it's, it's all about, um, you know, our, our little chat here, Andy, and hopefully everyone that's you know, still listened to us from the first couple of minutes have, have heard what I said. It's about helping pe- other people. I can only make this work because I've had an idea. I need, you know, the UK citizenship to get behind me. To go, yeah, and to support me, yeah. And I want to support everybody that's involved in this. It's not, it's not just me that's part of this. I have a great mm-hmm. business partner. Um, whose idea it was for what he's been doing recently. And I've, I've duplicated what he's done, and we've moved it and changed it slightly because we're having this opportunity of a house in your own local area, which isn't what anybody else is doing at the moment. There are quite a few people that are sort of saying, you know, win my church or win my country house or win my house in the city centre. And You know, there are individual houses. But this will allow individuals from across the country to, you know, buy five tickets that will cost them £10, £2 a ticket, and that comes out of 150,000 to one chance of winning that property. Okay, well, would you do me a favour? Can I actually buy the first five tickets? You are more than welcome. That is okay. here, recorded. And we'll yeah, exactly. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely okay. let you know, Andy, when it launches. That would be brilliant. Now, just finishing up now, Mark, is it possible you could tell us the best way for people to contact you? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, the, the, there is uh, a website which I have, which is markwalker.training. That has a lot of information on there. That has my book a call facility. That has my pitch to me idea. So if someone uh, still listening in has got a great idea for a business, and it doesn't have to be just property, of course, Andy. It can be you know an offline business, a real bricks and mortar business. Yeah. They can fill the details in there. It's all squeezed down onto that one page to make it easier for people to contact me. So look, Mark, thank you very much for your time. I know how precious your time is, and how precious it would be to us if we actually hired you you know it costs a lot of money to have you on board for this amount of time so thank you very much for being on the podcast and hopefully we'll hear all about your lottery soon thank you very much and it's been absolute pleasure and to everyone listening on the podcast highly recommend working with andy arto if you have a chance it's been a pleasure presenting to everybody and thank you so much again for all of your time oh that's kind thank you have yourself an awesome awesome month thank I'll you try. thank you I hope you enjoyed that episode and until next time, start transforming your wealth and health now.